Um, I had a couple of experiences over the last two weeks, two things that I was involved in. I wanted to just kind of share about that. will be kind of the starting point for the sermon today. And the first one was um, our denomination, if you are new here, we are an Assemblies of God church. So that might be news to some of you. We're a Pentecostal denomination. That also might be news to some of you. Um, so we're going to lock the doors now, now that I've given you that news. And hand out the banners and the, yeah, no, never mind. Really get this party started. Um, the Assemblies of God has a, a an, an arm of the denomination that's for church planting. It's called the Church Multiplication Network, and I have been invited a few times to participate in some coaching for young church planters, uh, churches that will be planted in the Assemblies of God over the next year or two. And so there was one that Colonel and I went to. Um, it's, it was a church planting event in Las Vegas, of all places, which was great because Las Vegas needs lots of churches. Um, you know, there's some money in Vegas. I don't know if you knew that, but... <laughs> Um, so we went to this, it was a, at a church in Vegas, and we, were, we got paired up with a group of people from Houston that are planting Kingway Church in the next year or so in Houston. They've already started meeting in their home and having meetings there. And um, So we got to just kind of coach them along, and it's great because we can see that we are a part of a, of a church planting movement. In the Assemblies of God last year, nationwide, just in the United States, there was 400 churches that were, new churches that were planted, which is remarkable. There was also 300 churches in the Assemblies of God that closed down last year for a net gain of 100, the math checks out, 100 churches. Um, so we, as a, as a church and a denomination, we want to support existing churches, but there is, and the stats back this up, there is evidence that new churches are just more effective at reaching new people. For whatever reason, people will try a new church. Or from what I can gather, maybe new churches just have that. They recognize what the call is. The, the call is still fresh on their heart. Like, we got to reach people. And out of necessity, because when you plant a church, there's nobody there when you start, right? You're like, you're banging on doors. You're sending out like mailers and emails. You're like, please just come. Like, our biggest fear when we had our first night of Homestead Church was not that zero people would show up. Because if zero people show up, you can just close the doors and go home and pretend it didn't happen. But if one person shows up... <laughs> so there is a, there is a drive uh, when you're a new church plant. And then we, what we've talked about, I was talking to our, our district church planting director yesterday, and he said, of the 300 that close, we, we start 400 new churches and then we close 300. He said, honestly, and it sounds bad, but a lot of those churches that close, you know, they've got about 12 people left that are just kind of trying to keep the doors open. And, and what he said was they haven't really been focused on reaching people for quite a while. It has kind of turned inward. It's more like a country club, and they've just been kind of doing programs just for the church members that are already there rather than reaching out. So there's a big difference between a new church and an existing church, not to overgeneralize. But it was super fun to be a part of this church planting Event And just so you know, Homestead Church, when we go to any of these district or national events, we always go either with our Venmo in, in hand or a blank check so that we can support whatever God puts on our hearts. So when Christy goes up to a retreat somewhere that she's speaking or involved in, she'll go thinking, God, show us who we can bless as a church. And then this church plant, I was able to tell Kingway Church that they're starting in Houston, that Homestead Church is going to support them. So we gave them some money just because our church is so generous and that we have the ability to do that. So thank you. That's one of the things that we are giving towards 
and that we support as new church plants. Um, and then the other thing, this past week up at Lake Geneva, our district campground in Alexandria, was a senders summit. So this was missions leaders from all over the world. I was up there just to help with some sound and some tech stuff. Um, and then, so we had missions leaders, so not missionaries, but national directors of missions in the Assemblies of God, and there was 75 nations represented there. That's remarkable, right? To have 75 nations in the room. I bet we could take the next half hour in this room and try to name off 75 nations off the top of our head, and it might take us the whole 30 minutes, right? 75 nations, missions leaders, and really what they said was they, they're here just to kind of solidify the call, solidify the call to missions. Um, one statement that was made by one of the speakers is the theology of mission has always disturbed the peace of the church. And I wrote that down. The theology of mission, like staying on course, staying focused on what we're supposed to be doing as a church. So you can see how this connects with new churches and old churches, churches that look to reach out to new people and share the love of Jesus Christ, or churches that have turned inward and just want to exist for the people that are already there. Now nations, the same thing, the theology of mission, staying on focus for what we are supposed to do as the church, it often will disturb the peace of the church, right? Because we are so prone to get drawn into just comfort and just routine and just, oh, why does he got to talk about that again? You know, it's just like, I just want to come to church. And you know, does that make sense? Like the, theo the theology of mission always disturbs the peace of the church. Thank goodness. We just need to be reminded every once in a while that we're on mission. There is something here more than just coming to a church. So in the midst of all the activity over the last two weeks and I'm feeling a little worn out just from all this, I overdid the schedule, which we tend to do from time to time. The biggest thing that stands out to me is this recognition that we are a part of something big. Like we're not just this church here, but around the state of Minnesota, there's all sorts of churches meeting today. Around the country, new churches being planted today. There's the first service today. And around the world, nations are sending out missions. Nations are funding missionaries. Nations are evangelizing the world. This is the call that we are a part of. And what a privilege it is to be a part of this big endeavor, right? Amen? Some of you are with me this morning. In the midst of it, I recognize we are a part of something big. We are on mission. We all devote our lives to something. We all, we all are devoting our lives to something. Everybody here, you've made choices to devote your life to something, whether it's comfort or family or happiness or self or Retirement. A lot of people are just like, I'm doing everything for that day when I turn 65 and I, you know, say, see you later to the boss and I'm done and I'm never going to do anything again. Like, that's what a lot of people devote their lives to. I want to encourage us to remember that we are devoted to something bigger than all of those things. The kingdom of God advancing around the world. Lost people coming to know Jesus. This is the core of who we are. Churches can do a lot of great things and we're going to do a lot of fun events and have a lot of great things going on. And we would love to get you plugged into the life of this church. But at our core is a mission that sometimes will um, disturb the peace in our lives, right? Sometimes disturb this comfort because our mission is to go and spread the news of Jesus Christ. We are here because we are a part of a going movement. The Assemblies of God is a missions-minded, evangelical, meaning we want to see people get saved, movement. So we give and support missionaries, and we want to do a better job at bringing this more into focus at our church. We have a missions committee that meets, and 
a great group of leaders led by Steve Maxwell and Stacy Montgomery at the church and then some other couples that really kind of keep missions in focus. They, they're coordinating missions trips and connecting with missionaries and we want to highlight them either on video or live in person because we want to always remind you this is something bigger than just coming to a church service. We are a part of a missions movement. So we get this call, the call of God, the call to go from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. This is what is known in the church world as the Great Commission. This is when Jesus gave us our marching orders. This is when Jesus gave us our task, our responsibility. Matthew 28, 18 says this, and Jesus came to them. Now this is after he died and rose again. He's with the group of disciples and some other followers and says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission. The commission is to go. That's the key word there, go. Go into all the world. The call of God is to go. So the call of God to go into all the world to make disciples, to evangelize, to reach the lost, that really is kind of, I'll just kind of summarize it in two ways. First of all, it's where are you now? Where are you right now? In other words, what workplace, community, family, neighborhood, school, what are you involved in now that God has placed you there? Because you might think, oh, I'm just here putting in time at the, at the office. What you need to remember is you are a part of a going call that God has called you there for a purpose. You're not there just putting in time. So where are you now and how can you use your influence now to fulfill the Great Commission? It might be a family, you're home with the kids every day and for now this season of your life is God's commission is for me to pour out my life for my kids. And then you'll know as kids get older, your sphere of influence becomes sitting for hours at soccer tournaments. And you're like, I just wish there was someone I could talk to. That could be, I want you to think of strategically, like these moments where I'm sitting here having these conversations, it could so easily steer into, how are you doing? How could I pray for you? Would you like to join me at church sometime? I invited, again, the hunger of a new church planter. When we were planting this church and I was sitting in gymnastics meets and as a spectator, not as a participant, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. I would invite people all the time, and it wasn't creepy about it. I wasn't like, hey, would you like to come? Hey, how about you? Do you want to come to Homestead Church? Like, I'm not trying to be a salesman. It was having a conversation. And if you're aware of the Great Commission on your life, you'll be amazed at how quickly people will open up and just start talking about things that are going on in their world. Hey, could I pray for you about that? Would you, be, would you want to come to church? Or the inevitable, what do you do? And I can say, I'm a pastor which is my favorite sidetrack here. I don't got a lot of time for sidetracks today, but if I go golfing and I get paired up with someone, I love to wait when they, you know, usually they'll ask me about hole nine or 10, like, so what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And you can see the mechanism like, <laughs> what did I say in holes one through? And usually they'll, they'll say, oh man, and it won't be oh man. They'll swear and then say, oh man, sorry about all my language. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You'd be amazed at how God will open doors if you just kind of see your current state, where you are right now, as a Great Commission moment. But the second one is not just where you are, but where you are not yet. So maybe God is calling you to go somewhere, 
somewhere else, make a step of faith and to reach his people, reach people that are not knowing the love of Jesus Christ yet. You might be called to move somewhere and do a mission. We have missionaries all over the world. We want to support them. And I would love it if God would raise up missionaries from this church that we could partner with and send out and see the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ invade the darkest places of the world. I love this mission summit that I was a part of. Just hearing the stories of missions advancing around the world, the church of Jesus Christ around the world is thriving in so many areas that you wouldn't think it. You would think that in America, well, we've got all the resources and we've got a cultural somewhat acceptance of Christianity. No one's getting thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. Um, in other parts of the world, it's there's poverty, there's obstacles, Christianity is illegal, and those are the parts where the church is booming. Revival is happening. There is something alive in the church around the world, and I want us to be a part of that to be ascending, going, missions-minded movement. So the first point today in this, in this message about the call of God on us, the call to go, is this, that God calls. God calls. Now, this is not for a selected few. So in this room of maybe 100 or so people, it's not like I'm going to say God's going to call six of you, and instantly everyone's just like, not me, Lord, not me, don't call this person, right? This is not a select few that God is going to call to be a part of the Great Commission. God calls all of us. We are called to participate in the Great Com Commission. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, so you might be just checking out church today or wondering if you even agree with any of this, that's great. We're glad that you're here. But I want to be open and honest with you up front. If you decide to become a follower of Jesus, you are signing up for the Great Commission to be used by God wherever you go to evangelize, to reach the world. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a part of his kingdom advancing around the world, to be a part of his kingdom rather than our own kingdom. So are we all called to move? No, we're not all called to move to another nation. Some of you are like, oh, good, that's right, that's good, that's good. But are we all called to give our lives for this movement? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. This is the commission. God calls his people to be a part of his kingdom rather than our own. And that's the, that's the message of Jesus Christ. We lay down our lives and we follow him. So if you ever want to say, like, I'm in, I'm in for following Jesus, I just want to be real honest. That's what it is. I'm done with what I want. I'm going to live for Jesus. I will stand here as a witness, and I bet we could line up a number of people who would say, that's what I did, and it was the best decision I've ever made. I would much rather live my life for something big, something of the, of the kingdom of God where we see it making an eternal difference. But this is the call. 2 Timothy 2 verse 4 says this. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Therefore, and I've jumped to verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect or the called that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The Apostle Paul writing this talks about three different kind of things, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Talking about this, like when you are focused on something important, you can't get entangled in all the other things that are going on around you. You realize there is something important that I am a part of. Specifically, he started out, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. No one who is devoted to a bigger mission 
settles for the regular stuff or gets too distracted in the regular stuff, right? A soldier who is mired in civilian affairs loses urgency. If we have a group of soldiers deployed overseas and all they're doing is hanging out in the town and they're not really doing anything on mission, man, you know that they can get distracted, right? Colonel, I could get Colonel up here and he would say that. It's, it's about staying focused on what you are doing. And he would say, if there's too much downtime, idle time, that's when things just, people start fighting with each other and complaining about each other. It would be like having a group of kids at home that are just bored, right? If you've got bored kids going into summer, parents, we know what this is gonna be like, right? We start out the first week with, I've got everything planned out. By week two, it's just, here's an iPad. Just go watch something, just do something, right? Bored kids will just turn and start complaining about stuff. If we can keep them active and focused on something, man, that makes a huge difference, right? Soldiers who are focused on the mission will not be mired in the civilian everyday stuff. Churches that are focused on our mission will not be mired in the everyday stuff. This was a big call to action at this missions summit that I was at. This was a big call for a couple of different groups. A call to the nations. There was one person that got up and talked to all the nations represented that had typically been recipients of missionaries. So some African nations, some Arab nations, uh, South American, that traditionally it was, we're sending missionaries over there and funding missions work over there. The call to those nations was, it's time to be a sender. It's time to activate this call that we have. We're not just here to have missionaries come and evangelize us. The call to the Great Commission is the same for us. So it was a call to all of these nations. I had, um, you know, when we would have meals at these things, there's just small tables. So I found one that had another uh, guy from Canada, that I, a family friend that I knew. And also sitting at this table was the National Missions Director for the nation of Kenya. And he knew my grandparents. My grandparents were involved in planting or helping to plant a church in Nairobi, Kenya, a church that now is thriving. And this missions director said that church is one of the most influential forces in the nation of Zant. The president of the nation, the former president, used to come there all the time. Multiple campuses, something like 40,000 people attending there regularly. What, a, what an example of just the impact that a church can make. You don't really think about that when you plant a church. You're like, God, what are you going to do with this? This would be, you know, we have dreams of those things, but it was cool to hear him give those testimonies. But the missions director of Kenya, we were asking him, well, what is it like now? Because Kenya has typically been one that has received missionaries. What are you doing now with the sending of missionaries? And he got super proud and he said, we're about to send out our first fully funded, supported missionary full time. Like he's like, this is a big deal. Now for some people, it's like, you're first. We've got churches in the area that are sending out like dozens of missionaries. But for that nation to make that switch, he could see the pride in him of, we're not just takers, we're sending people out. But there was also a warning, a word of warning to the Western church. We'll just call it the American church today. The ones that were traditionally senders. The ones that have the means to fund missions endeavors. The warning there was to not grow weary to not get tired, to not turn inward, to not forget about the mission now that other people are picking up the mission. A warning to the Western church that as we get more comfortable, we tend to turn inward. And as I mentioned already, a church that loses the call of missions, the call to go, gets mired in civilian affairs and starts fighting within. Inward-focused churches Maybe it's an established church. And I would say as Homestead Church, you know, we're eight years in. We just passed our eight-year birthday, which is amazing when you think about it. Man, time goes quick. 
but we got to keep the mission in front of us or the tendency is going to be like, wow, we got three services and we have a building and look how cool this building is and we got stuff for kids and we got programs and the very worst thing we can do is to start focusing on keeping everybody in here happy. Sorry, that's bad news for you, right? We're not interested in just keeping everybody in here happy. Our goal is to keep everybody in here focused on what we're supposed to be doing, amen? And so a church that turns inward, I've seen these. It's all of a sudden, it's like bored kids or bored soldiers or whatever it is, like complaining about the color of the carpet downstairs or what we're doing with this or what programs there are or how, what there is for my kids. Well, we should really start this for our kids. And this it's more like a country club, right? We're not that. We are a missions-minded movement, Bodies that are active, physical bodies that are active are stronger and healthier. Minds that are active are stronger and healthier. Souls that are active are stronger and healthier. Our faith, this church, a church that is active in a mission is stronger and healthier. We are called to go. I want the mission of this church to disturb the peace of this church. I want it to make us uncomfortable. I want us to get to the point where we're like, yes, God, I don't want to get complacent in my faith. I want to go. I want to see the world evangelize. This is our call. Second point, God equips. So God calls and God equips. God will provide what you need. God will provide what you need. My favorite thing about these church planters events that Colonel and I were at talking to this group of church planters from Houston is inevitably they'll ask us questions because they're learning, they're going through all sorts of stuff. The main presenters are talking about how do you have a discipleship track? Um, how are you getting the word out? What's your Sunday mornings look like? How do you deal with budgeting and fundraising and all of this stuff, which is funny because when they ask us, I always say, well, we weren't really a well-oiled machine. Um, shocking to some of you sitting here, right? But what I love about that is they'll inevitably ask us because we're an eight-year-old church that has grown, that has, you know, I don't, not made it, but we survived. We survived the church planting process. And what my favorite thing to do is, is to just tell the story of our church. I mean, in some regards to the commitment of the people and the generosity of the people, but mostly about the faithfulness of God in this journey to plant this church, telling the story of Homestead, telling the story of how you know, God was able to provide, um, telling the story when they're asking, well, how do you know when to hire staff? And I say, man, God blessed us with staff at just the right time, just the right time. We've never once had to put a, 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 a word out on indeed.com to, to <laughs> find a youth pastor, right? I don't even know if that's where youth pastors hang out. Um, maybe not. But it was because we just recognized that God provided Steve and Brooke Maxwell, right when we needed it. Brent and Anna Stevens felt called to our church before there was even a job. They're like, we just feel like God's calling us there. And then that was a year before there was even a position open for them. It was the shortest job interview ever because <laughs> our previous kids director felt called to move on. And I looked at him, I said, you want the job? And Anna said, yep. And I said, all right, done. You know, that was easy. <laughs> there was no, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, no, we felt like God had brought these people Right? We see that with Colonel and Megan. They were a part of the church right near the very beginning. And then all of a sudden we get a glimpse of all their skills and like organization and leadership abilities. We're like, what? Like, 
what? And then Stacy Montgomery feels called to do care ministries, and she's just a part of our church, and we're seeing God raise up other people. Dalton Nelson, who's on staff with us just in facilities, he, we see God calling him into different things, and we, we throw, him into the, throw him into the lion's den at times, like, you're going to lead worship today. You're leading this. You're praying out loud. And he's like, okay. Like, it's one of the, but we see how God has brought people. Carly Graham, we, we didn't even let anybody know we were looking to hire a worship leader. And then one day there was a district prayer event here in this room, and Carly and I were both leading worship at it. And she came in and said, I'm actually transitioning out from my previous church. And I was just like, oh, like, don't, don't be weird. Like in my head, the inner dialogue, don't be weird. Don't blow this. So I was just like, well, you know, we might be looking, and maybe you could come. And I made it weird. I tried not to be weird. I love telling the story of how God has provided. We've seen people over the years where it's just like, God called us here. Christy and I will say, look at the amazing people that God is calling to this church. And we never once think, just so that we can gather together and say, yay, we got a growing church. We always think, what is God up to? Like, look at the people he's calling into ministry. Look at the ministers that used to be involved in other ministries that are now plugging in at Homestead. God is doing something. I love being able to testify to the faithfulness of God for our church, telling the story of our church. Our job as a church is to follow God's calling and to provide, uh, trust him to provide everything. God equips. God equips. So you can step out in faith knowing that God will provide everything that you need. You can step out in generosity, in obedience financially, and trust that God will provide everything you need. I want us to increase our generosity to the missions work around the world because we know God's going to provide for us as we do. We got people all over this church who would say, we took a step of faith financially to support missions, and God provided what we need over and over and over again. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, this is when God called the prophet Jeremiah. He says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you or set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Jeremiah said, ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to uh, for all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. I love that moment where God calls Jeremiah, and Jeremiah, like a lot of us, decides to be responsible or give all the reasons why it's not a good idea or why he can't do it, right? Isn't it interesting how many times we need to explain to God things, right? <laughs> Like, I can't do it, God. Like, like God's going to be like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Good thinking, <laughs> Jeremiah. Right? Don't, what God says is, Jeremiah, don't worry about circumstances. Don't worry about your resources. Don't worry if you are young. Young people, do not worry about being young. God will empower you and equip you. And I love that it's even like the call of Jeremiah was to go and prophesy some really difficult things to the nation of Israel. And, and it, God even says, even when you're standing in front of the rulers of the nation, I'll give you the words to speak, right? God will equip. The call of Jeremiah was there, and the challenge for him was just to trust that God's going to provide everything. At North Central Bible College, now university, when Christy and I were there, the, the then president, Don Argue, used to say this all the time. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Right? God does not call the equipped. So you don't need to have everything all figured out before God will call you. But God will call you and he'll provide everything you need. There's a difference there in our mentality. So we don't need to explain away to God why we can't be obedient to his call. Well, I would do that, Lord, except I, 
you know, I don't have quite enough retirement built up yet, or I'm not in the good season of life, or I'm really kind of going through some things right now, God, or I'm too young, or I'm too old, or whatever it is, God is going to say, just trust me. I'm calling you to do this, and I will make a way. I will provide everything you need, even the words in your mouth. The next thing, God's call involves sacrifice. God's call always involves sacrifice. Look at the times when God called people throughout scriptures, called Abraham. It was a leave where you are now, leave what you know, leave where you're comfortable, and go over here. Same thing with Moses. Leave where you are now, leave where your extended family is, and go over here. Um, the disciples, a lot of the disciples were called out of their uh, line of work. The disciples that left their fishing nets on the shore, that is significant because that is their job. They left their careers, their livelihood, and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Even Jesus, the call of God on his life to lay his life down, obviously that took sacrifice, right? To lay down his life in obedience. Matthew 10, 38 says this, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's a, that's a verse of sacrifice right there, right? The call to God to follow him is take up your cross and follow, meaning lay down your life and take up the very cross of Jesus Christ and follow me. And then it says in 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's an inverse reality to what we are taught in our culture of seek after what you want. Everyone's out trying to find their life, find their purpose, find their enjoyment and happiness. And the call of Scripture, the Great Commission, the call of our Savior is... No, lay down your life, lose your life for my sake, and God will lead you to places you can't even imagine. Every time someone is called, there's a sacrifice. And I think it's because God wants to do a little heart check to see if we're actually in it. There's stories in Scripture of people who were called to do something and the price was too great. And we never hear what God would have done through their lives. But the people who said, God, I trust you and I'm willing to lay everything down to follow you, man, when we see God's faithfulness come through and we see the impact that those lives can make, just simple lives, young and old, that are surrendered to Jesus Christ, saying, God, I trust you to do whatever you want in my life. And it might be great circumstances. It might be very difficult circumstances, but yet there's something way deeper than circumstance that causes us to say, I'm so glad I'm a part of this mission. I will lay down my life for the cause of Christ. Matthew 10 is not a call for us to be miserable, just to be like, well, I'm not supposed to be happy because God doesn't want me to have nice things. The call of Matthew 10 is to be a part of something much bigger, to lay down our lives for the cause of Christ to lay down our lives and take up the cross of Jesus Christ. That is very different than adding Jesus into your life. So a lot of people are like, well, life is good, and I'm going to go to church because I'm just going to add Jesus into my life. We talk about it like sprinkle a little Jesus on top of an already good life, right? That's not what the message of Jesus Christ is about. The cause of Christ is to lay down our lives. Jesus, you can have it all. You are worthy of it all. God's call will involve sacrifice. And uh, the next thing, God's call is urgent. I think this is the last one for those who are taking notes. God's call is urgent. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus is saying, Do you not say, There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, 
so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. I love that last part. It's like the, the people who are involved in the harvest get to rejoice when they see the harvest. People on the front lines of missions around the world get to rejoice. I promise you the excitement in this church is just going to go up and up when we see people giving their lives to Jesus Christ. That is going to be the lifeblood of this church, not how face-melting the drummer is playing or anything like that. It's when we see people's lives getting changed. That will be like the harvester who is seeing the harvest harvest uh, brought in, the rejoicing that is taking place. But I like the, the first part of that passage. Don't say, well, four months and then the harvest. Don't say, oh, there's still time. What Jesus is saying is right now, right now the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. We need to pray for more laborers. We need to be sent out ourselves because there is a great harvest. There is a great harvest. We don't need to go too far. Students, you can be in your school tomorrow and realize there is a harvest. There is people that need Jesus around this community. I tell you what, Colonel and I spent a couple of days in Las Vegas. There is a harvest. There is people that need Jesus, right? There is, there is people that need Jesus. You go around the world, there is people that need Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about the global harvest, our our call to go into all the worlds. There are still a lot of people. Um, statistics would say about 42% of the world's population, so over, well over 3 billion people, have either never heard of Jesus. Think about that, never heard of Jesus. How many times have you heard about Jesus in your life? These people have never heard about Jesus, or they have no access to the gospel. 42%. And yet the statistics are alarming in that if you collected all the money given to charitable work by churches around the world, something crazy like 95% of that money is going to areas or people that already have heard about Jesus Christ. So there's a discrepancy there. So one of the things we want to do is partner with organizations and fund organizations that are reaching those who have never heard. That is clearly a call of the Great Commission. We must be a part of this going and sending movement. The call is urgent. The call is urgent for the world, for the people who have never heard about Jesus Christ, for the people right now wandering the, the strip in Las Vegas just looking for any sort of hope or any sort of fulfillment, the people in Houston where Kingway Church is going to be planted that don't know Jesus Christ yet, the people in our community, the people at Farmington High School that need to know Jesus. The call is urgent for the lost. But here's why it's also urgent. It's urgent for you as well, for your soul. It's urgent for your soul, for ourselves to not get mired and distracted in all the cares of this world. To not be a soldier that's forgotten about the mission but is now mired in civilian affairs. To not get lazy and complacent and inward in our faith. The civilian cares of the world are greatly diminished when we are on mission, right? I've experienced this, and this is why I'm so passionate about having people in our church go on missions trips. Because the stuff that bugs you now will not bug you after you come back from a missions trip. It just won't. You'll be bugged by how much the stuff bugged you before the missions trip. Like, what was I so worried about? All your angst about cable news and the state of this and this, go on a missions trip and then come back and you'll be like, oh, why was I so worried about that? It is, a, it is a soul cleanse. It's a juice cleanse for the soul, if you would, right? It is a get rid of all the, the first world toxins that we just start to carry around and we get so burdened by and we like, why am I so worried about this? Go on a missions trip and you will not be bugged by these things, at least for a while, right? 
The best thing we can do in our lives and in our church is to make sure we are engaged in the call and to not get mired down in the cares of the world as a church, to not turn inward and just focus on how to make things better here inside the building. Focus on those who have yet to be reached. We are on a mission. So I'm praying for a greater impact in missions. So this is just a, a reminder of the call that is in front of all of us as a church and as individuals. I want us to think about how we could have a plan for missions. That's why I'm so excited that this missions board in our church, this committee is meeting and just helping us be more strategic about partnering with the missionaries that we already support, funding those that we do not support yet, planning missions trips, how we can be strategic about this now. I want us as a church to be better about raising money over and above general fund. Right now we give 10% of our general fund giving to go outside the walls of this church, which is great. We wanna be a tithing church. That kind of lets you off the hook, right? Because you don't need to really do anything. You just give and then we kind of give to missions. I want all of us to take ownership on ourselves to say, what could I give over and above to fund missionaries? What could, who could I partner with? I'm talking to all of you in the room. Who could you partner with? A missionary that maybe you meet at church or you know someone around the world that financially every month you're like, I'm gonna set this aside. And you start with a plan for how you could be strategic to obey the call and to fund and send. So we need to have a plan. We just need to have a better plan. But then it's also cool to have a dream as well. Wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be cool if we saw 10 families from this church sent out as missionaries that we could fund all of them because the people had the call of missions on their heart? Wouldn't it be cool that if us as individuals, we could say, it's not just giving 10%. Now I'm giving 50% of my income to the missions work around the world. And look at how God has provided and taken care of us. Wouldn't that be cool? Think about, dream about some of these things. I don't want you to just kind of be complacent in this. Think about for your life and your family, how you could be partnering with missions around the world. And I'm going to close with this. Before we pray, let's stand together. And I'm going to just read Romans chapter 10. 14 through 15. This passage of scripture really illustrates the call. Whether we are going, whether we're praying, whether we're sending or funding, here it is, Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. How, will, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You see all the spots we can fill in there? Sharing our faith with others, how are they gonna know if someone doesn't share them? Share with them about Jesus Christ. If they've never heard about Jesus, how are they, the people who've never heard about Jesus around the world, how are they gonna know unless someone goes and tells them? And how's someone gonna go and tell them unless they're sent? Right? These are all spots we can fill, whether you're the goer or the prayer or the funder or the sender, whatever it is, this is us. This is the call that God has for our life. So let's pray together. And as we do that, just close your eyes and allow God to speak to you this morning. God, what's my, what's my spot in this? The question is not whether or not I'm called. I know that you've called. It says in scripture that you call all people to be a part of this great commission. So where's my spot? Is it, is it where I'm at? How can I leverage my influence in my school, in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my family, at soccer practice to be a part of the call of the Great Commission? How can I more leverage that for your glory? Or God, are you calling me to go somewhere else to be a part of something, to step out in faith and trust that you're going to provide? Are you calling me to 
increase my financial support to missions endeavors around the world so that those who are called to go can be funded and sent. Lord, help us as individuals and a church to just be more strategic, to have more urgency, to have more um, ability to trust you in everything so that we could see the Great Commission move forward and the call of Jesus Christ into every heart. So I pray that you would seal this word in our hearts. This just It's got to be more than just another Sunday message. Lord, we want you to raise up all of us in our call to the work of Jesus Christ around the world. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. We thank you for your faithfulness to these families that are here. We see it, Lord. For those who are struggling, I pray that you would continue to pour out your faithfulness. For those who are on the fence in their faith, just trying to add Jesus into their life, I pray that you would convict them and that this would be a moment where they lay down their lives, that the old life is dead and gone, and they raise up new life in Christ following you in every way. Lord, do that work. Build your church as you have so faithfully done. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.